Buenos días, mi gente. It is September 25th, 2020, and welcome back to another episode of Café Colette Time with your hosts, Jacob Alvarado y Jacob Ibarra. Hola, everyone. We have a lot of things to get into today, so let's get right into the nitty gritty. All right. Now we're going to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. For those that you should know by now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away last week in her home in Washington, D.C., yeah. Yeah, that that actually happened hours after last week's episode. Yeah, hours after um she died um on Rosh Hashanah, which is a huge um religious day for the Jewish community. It means um from what I know, from what I can remember from world religions, it's like the ha- it's like a new year for um Judaism. And as a Jewish woman herself, she died peacefully and on that day, and it's really significant for um, the Jewish community. And yeah, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as many of you know, she was a Supreme Court justice, the second woman ever to be appointed to the Supreme Court justice. As she's a she's a Brooklynite for those people from Brooklyn, New York. She grew up there. Um, she is a huge iconic woman. Being that she's the second, she was the second person ever to be on the point of the Supreme Court by Bill Clinton. You know, she was appointed by Bill Clinton. Um, she was an icon, especially for women in law, for working moms. She was a predominant figure for women in this country. She fought for women's um, equality, um, gender discrimination. Especially within law school, when she started her career um, in law, she was one of the few women that were in law school. Um, apparently, from what I've been reading, um, in a classroom of over five, I would say over 500 law students, most of them were men, and only nine of them were women. And she was one of those nine women. Um, she really challenged gender discrimination. And she talked about within interviews um, how after graduating from law school, she found um, really challenges because many people wouldn't, many employers wouldn't hire her because she was a woman. And also um, she's gone through a lot health-wise as well, being that she was diagnosed with colon cancer and then later on pancreatic cancer. She has been a trailblazer um, throughout her career um, and has fought a lot both on the court and as well as in her health and it was devastating to hear that such an icon passed away but she really fulfilled her legacy and is something that um, will live on forever um, like I said she was a huge icon for working mothers and a working mom herself um, she wanted to have that balance for her work life and family life. And she was able to challenge that and establish acts along the way that allowed women to continue to work, to have career development, because she believed that women deserve to have a family and continue to work. So we owe her, we owe her that as well as reproductive rights that women are allowed to have access to contraceptives and really um, have a choice in their own bodies. So that's really um, all the wonderful things she does. I mean, that's it's a brief um, summary, but like I said, she's done so many great things that I encourage you, if you don't know, to research her. I could go on and on to what she's, she did, but I encourage you all to really uh, research what she did and what she meant 
to this country and women in the United States as well. And I also want to mention that right now, currently live, actually, um, she is currently being honored at the U.S. Capitol and is never she's the first woman ever to be honored at the Capitol with her casket and even first Jewish American ever to be honored at the casket with her, I mean, her casket at the Capitol Hill. So um, this week has been a huge um, good um, saying goodbye to her. And um, yeah, currently she's at the Capitol saying her final um, goodbye to everyone. So, yeah. So it, it, it was, it's a huge blow to America. Well, more, more, I'll say progressive America. Yeah. Because, because conservative America, even though they honored her, that was only for like five minutes. Yeah. Um, what really um, stro- has struck a lot of controversy is, especially towards the Senate response after her death, because Mitch McConnell, this man, literally has no decency or human respect towards grief. Literally after, one hour after her death, he just like, oh, we're going to need to, we need to nominate a replacement right now. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what he did. And then a, a few hours after that, uh, Ted Cruz was on Fox News saying that, yo, like, look, it was sad. But hey, we got to do our job. Got to fill the seat. And to me, it was very ironic because, of course, when Anton Scalia passed away months before the 2016 oh. election. Ooh. Oh, yes. They were just like, no, leave the spot for the next president. To yeah, so, yes. Be okay. So, yeah. So, for the context, yes, of course. So, 2016, when they were trying, when the Obama administration, Barack Obama, trying mm-hmm. to have Merrick Garland be the next, uh, be the next judge to be on the Supreme Court, that was more than 200 days away from the election and mitch mcconnell no it's an it's an election year you have you can't do that during an election year that's just moral that's ethically wrong ethically wrong <laughs> and this is less than 60 days before the 2020 election and all of a sudden oh we need to fill it because you never know what you never know how this election could turn out we're gonna need our nine justices Right. Right. Okay. It's really more of a strategic, like, incompetence. Like, they just want to ruin this country even more because they're afraid. Because they understand that even though they don't show it, that they're afraid. They're just like, oh, this election, they have the election, quote unquote, in the bag. But the reality is that they don't. I mean, when we look at the poll realistically, um, viewing the polls, like the um, the favorability of Trump having a second term and everything. I mean, the minority, the minorities just do not want to see Trump. Um, and it's also like the moderate conservatives, like wealthy um, aspect of America is kind of on the verge. They're like in the middle still because they're just like, well, you know, we don't like Trump because they have some moral grounds i would say um and then they don't like joe biden because you know it's biden that they just he, they think they're gonna be a threat to you know 
they think Biden is going to be influenced by the quote unquote yeah. radical leftists. Exactly. Like, like he has like he has never changed his stance on any issue to show that he's going to be more to the left or, or about anything. So so really for these those moderate conservatives, like you know, like Biden kind of represents you. He does, and it just like, um it's a really strategic thing that the Senate's doing because they don't want to lose the quote-unquote power that they have because they are scared for the election. They are, even though they refuse to do it. And they'll think of any any excuse to blame that it was not in their favor. So, like, in this case, kind of just, like, we'll just sprinkle this because that way we can finish to whatever happens, outcome comes in November. We're going to still have that power. It's they so, so they think. So we heard already this week that with I forget which reporter asked the president saying asking like will you will it be a smooth transition of power if you were to lose the election and already with the answer of no nah, I don't think so I won't like I won't transfer power like because it might if I lose it'll be a rigged election so I'll just stay oh you know he's like constitutionally that's wrong constitutionally and, that's not a thing that's literally and, against the constitution itself if you want and, to talk about constitution and and then like you know like of course you know most of the conservatives are constitutionalists so why are we not defending the constitution right now yeah you just can't pick and choose at this point if you want to go constitutionalist that's the constitution says and and it's uh explicitly says that to transfer a power and at that uh, point it's just really incompetence and childish manner that whatever that is that we have in office right now it's what it is yeah it's 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 yeah this week this week has really shown even just just a little more of the strategies of going like of how the election would be so you have with rbg passing away and now you have to stack the course in your favor so remember to people who were like weren't sure the courts were five conservatives to four more progressive judges now since uh rbg passed away and now it's five to three now needing one more to fill in the seat of the Supreme Court. And if the administration gets what they want, and now it'll be six conservative judges to three. Yeah, but the Supreme so, Court, they're supposedly not, they do have conservative and liberal sides to it, but they don't explicitly um, say it. They just usually have someone that, you know, you have, like, your-, you have your views and like, um, I just want to, I want to like, um, clear that up because like usually we usually say oh these are the conservatives here's the liberals but like supposedly the component of the supreme court they're not really supposed to have um yes in that's in theory but in then theory, you just have, and not like in theory like in theory but like they do have it, it is split but at the same time if that makes sense um you're not like you're not supposed to be like labeling them if that makes sense um but they do they do have each justice has um views that are either liberal or conservative that plays in part in how they view um, legislation when it comes to the court. I just wanted to yeah. clarify that. Yeah, that's all. But that's all nice. That's all cute and nice. And say like, oh, they're they're neutral. Like, really, then look at their history. Look at look at where, like, like okay, I'm just gonna the, the most easy, the easiest one to to use an exa- as an example, Brett Kavanaugh, because. He made it clear where his stances were on some key issues. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Like, like in regards to women's rights. And also, he, a lot of people pointed out that the reason, a huge reason why he, 
was a Supreme Court nominee, even though he was not on any list of the potential nominees for the Trump administration. He was not ever considered, probably not even known by the president because he had a paper. He had a an essay written of why he thinks that basically you can um, the president should have always have full immunity no matter what. That and like so a lot of people speculate. I'm not gonna say that's true or not either because I don't know. But that that as a judge being neutral, but it seems like that paper unless looks pretty good to the president who hasn't, you know, been impeached. Yeah, people tend to forget about that, especially yeah, and then, modern. And then, he, and then, of course, remember, he, remember, let's not forget his hearing when he said, like, you know, this is this is a political sham by the Democrats and his big old rant and basically saying, like, watch what happens when I become a Supreme Court nominee. He's like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's like, if that wasn't obvious. No, yeah, it's supposedly supposed to have a neutral setting, like it's supposed to. It's like supposed to be that way, but it is everyone has a record of how they vote. Um, I just wanted to clarify that because like when I was studying the Supreme Court and like reading more about it like you know ethically like they're not supposed to have like a um, position but like how they vote kind of um, places their position I just wanted to like clear that up because like I was starting to learn that like throughout my um, four years because like you know like you usually say like oh like you assume type of thing but but that's how the Supreme Court's supposed to work, supposedly. Yeah, then Under the say, Constitution. Oh, it's supposed to be this way, and then, of course, justice is supposed to be for all, but, you know. Yeah, justice <laughs> for all is not a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's supposed to be this way, it's supposed to be... The key word is supposed to. The key words. Quote-unquote. <laughs> so those are the key words of, like, what, of uh, reality and expectations. No, but, yeah. Um, so going off of that... Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death definitely is something that jeopardizes um, women's rights. Um, after like the last couple of days, like women around around the country and even the world too, um, finding out about her death are scared. I mean, when I found this out, I was um, honestly I was tormented because I thought of um, everything that she fought for for women's rights, reproductive rights, healthcare children and any everything in general for who she built her legacy on um i got scared because i was like what is this monster going to do to this country even worse and um all of us even like comedians like john oliver were just like please don't die like please don't die <laughs> like we were ha- ha- um hanging on to, our, to um ginsburg that we had hope for something however and because, and because realistically we thought she is at a very she she was at an older age and given her health conditions but at the same time um i sort of found myself a little bit um after like because i had like negative you know like thoughts about like oh this is gonna this country's gonna go downhill from now with <laughs> with her death but at the same time like, I gained strength and realized that um, her time has been pro- prominent. And she did what she did to prove that there's hope in this country. She left it to us now. She's done everything in her willpower to do what she did. And she did it. She did it successfully, I think. I mean, 
being a Supreme Court justice during the times that she was in and evolving during these times, she's done a lot. She's done a lot. She's been an icon for many women. I mean, if it wasn't for her, many women would not be able to have the opportunity to go to law school, to have employment, to have professional careers. She challenged the society's status quo. And it's really our job now to take her death as a revolution to change. Because I know she's seeing us up from from heaven. And I mean, she's Jewish, but like from a Catholic point, um, Catholic from my Catholic standpoint, she's looking at us from heaven and telling us to like get our butts off of our chairs and continue fighting. Because she did not go through all of this mess just for us to be like, our country's doomed. We can have that. We can have that thought, but take that energy, as AOC said, take that energy to do something, to take action, because every single person has something to give. And I'm quoting AOC right now, because she did a video about this literally um, like an hour after her death and what it meant for this country. And literally every single person has something to give. We can have those negative thoughts, that fear, but we are not here to stop fighting. And we're going to continue to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... Keep that... That should be the motivator to keep fighting. Yeah, and... Um, well, but... talking briefly about, like, the... Um, what's the next steps? Because, obviously, the Senate has decided to give Trump that authority yes. to nominate someone. Yes, I actually wanted to ask you about that because, so... Now that the courts, the more likely the Supreme Court will be in the favor of the administration, a lot of and political analysts and like people who know more, way more than me, <laughs> they've been saying this is the time to expand the courts. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I assume that just means having more Supreme Court justices. So, but I don't, I personally still don't under, fully understand what it means and how that could be about and if that could be a, if that could be a thing so jackie could you could you explain what expanding the courts means like a little context to in regards to what that means from what i've been reading a lot about expanding the courts has been towards having more justices um like from what you heard expanding which means having more and it's meant to have a more equal and fair opportunity to have both parties to have um, both parties to have um, more of a a voting say on legislation however um, it also like I read it has to do with um, dividing like I think it's more of like having uh, more state representation if that makes sense because you know how the government's set up where we have two senators where we have a lot of congress representatives for each state so they want to make it more of that type of thing, if that makes sense, to have, like, that type of court where, like, you have your justices, but also have more addition to represent more of, like, a state things and um, district things. However, if they were going to do that, that's going to put um, a problem towards how our house works, you know? Okay. And so that's really something that they have to go through the Constitution and really try to establish what they really want to do. Because right now, as we've seen um, record about the uh, record on Supreme Court justices, we've seen that there's like, you know, 
like on like it hasn't been fair to have like nine justices and you know like when it comes to decisions it doesn't really um explain like explain the fairness to it so they really want to restructure that and FDR actually um I read about this FDR actually wanted to have 11 justices actually he was one of the first presidents to really challenge that but nothing came above it because you know everyone rejected it but um it's really how they structure it to have more fair representation and fair things because I think what they've realized is that since states have their own jurisdictions compared to the federal government, I think they want to have a balance towards those things, if that makes sense. All right, so if if it were to change of expanding the Supreme Court, that would basically change the structure of Congress. Yeah, because, like, I mean... The supposedly how the judicial branch works is supposed to be amending the constitution, challenging constitutional things, and declaring things unconstitutional or constitutional. So, like, if they were going to expand it, they're going to have to restructure the house, how they work in their jurisdictions, and how they challenge things. Um, so, like, it's really something that they have to decide what they want to do to not restructure how the house works. You know, like, it's... Um, it's like a huge thing and like they have to um I think that they should add a couple more judges because that way they're more um perspectives and more um eyes looking at issues because like now that you even mentioned now now we're gonna have a six to three ratio um soon and that's not at all at all fair representation at all I mean sure these like Chief Justice Roberts like he voted for DACA and while two of Trump's um, appointees that he appointed for Supreme Court voted against it. So, like, it's like, sure, maybe the conservatives might go over progressive stuff, but it's a very rare case. So, like, there's not going to be at all um, fair representation. So I think, yeah, there should be more um, justices, but they really need to establish what they want to do. Um, with that being said, I also heard in the news that people are proposing an 18-year term for Supreme Court justices compared to appointment for life. And um, the like the reason why like um, the they've come up with this um, sort of like idea is because when you look at the Supreme Court justices being appointed for life, many of them, like for example Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was appointed during <laughs> a long time ago. Um, you said under the Clinton administration, right? Yeah, Clinton administration. Imagine how many years have evolved from that, you know? And that's, that's, that is clo- closer to 30 years and being on the Supreme Court. Exactly. So, like, the arguments have been that we should not have this appointment for life because things are evolving with time. Sure, certain things are still a problem, but now there's more problems adding on to this problem that already existed. And there's people that don't understand it, like, from generation to generation. Um, so that's really, like, a thing that I've been hearing a lot. And to me, that's been, I think that's a really um, good idea because, I mean, the progressive, the progressive, so-called progressive justices on the court currently, they, under- they do have a, some two cents, five, like, you know, some sense of what human rights is. But at the same time, they're going to be outdated as the years go on to what's really happening to the youth. Like, their youth is different from our youth. 
So, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as iconic she was, she tested boundaries, challenged boundaries. However, her feminism was rooted towards white women, which is not necessarily wrong. But during that time, she was in law school. During and starting her career, she wanted she was a white she's a white she was a white Jewish woman. So she did what she could to really challenge that women should be working, should be in career development, but she was not interacting with um, women of color. And she kind of has, um, she like, as she progressed, yes, like she, um, like when she was nominated for, um, for the Supreme Court position, she did a wonderful speech that she wanted to see um, not just white women in the court, but also women of color. However, she kind of, um, like, evolving now with time, she, not that she's not been advocating for women of color, but she doesn't really know too much about what's going on with women of color today. Women of color today, yeah. So she, so she, imagine 30 years being in, like, over 30 years being in the Supreme Court. Like, things have evolving that she's tried her best to educate herself, but she's not understanding or living what women of color or even white women are experiencing now if that makes sense. Like, these justices done legislation and done experience things, but their experiences line up to what the new generation, millennials, Gen Z, are experiencing. They're outdated. Yeah. Which is, uh, which yeah, is okay. I mean, like, they have, they have to catch up, but at the same time, they can't relate or understand what's going on with the generation currently. And as they get older, it's harder to keep in touch and yeah. and to really re- un- probably understand which could be the same issues that they've still been dealing with like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still ha- still had to fight for women's rights from the time she was a, a lawyer to the time she died she still had to fight for them yeah and in, and like as um, we've seen now in current times women black and, women and, are being killed children women and children in ICE detention centers, women being having acts of like literally taking their uterus out in ICE detention centers, like that's something that she didn't, you know, go through. She dealt. Oh, she, a lot of a lot of people won't go through that either. But like, won't go yeah, through. Yes, well, I won't go through. I mean, won't really have that um, connection, like connection of like understanding what's happening. That makes sense. That's what I meant. I mean, yeah, she definitely advocated for reproductive rights because women were being um, denied access to contraceptives and everything but like it's kind of like she's been out of touch um, in certain aspects of issues like like I said like these, these issues keep coming up but they just now they they're evolving in the, how they're being presented like like yes women fed, on a federal level at a national stage women women have rights women are not don't have equal yeah. pay men that's true but i mean like women have their reproductive rights nationally but then you see certain states that Mm -hmm. find a way find ways to take that away so now like i said like so these issues the same issues now they're just presented differently so with then you know because now there are different times and how like find a way to get a find a loophole so Mm -hmm. i understand what you're saying yeah, so, like, that's been a huge um, 
thing I've been reading about like the 18 term thing and I think it's something that um, should be considered along the way in the next administration and throughout the years because I mean as much as an honor it is to be appointed for life for the Supreme Court however realistically with evolving times like if you want to have constitutional change it's gonna be a huge barrier and ongoing obstacle um, having change yeah, that's it's it's something worth looking into because I even with other countries that have that try to mimic their governments in the in the US model, mm-hmm. they don't have they don't have lifetime appointees for for their judges because and even like some other governments have said like that's ridiculous because that that's way too long. And I think 18 years is a generation. It is a generation, technically. yeah, technically. So, so you, and a lot, a lot of things happen. A lot of things can change in a generation. So that's. It's fair to say that you, a lot can get done. What well, doesn't? It doesn't even matter which way. A lot can. A lot can change and get done in a generation. Like, and even though, like, even though right now this is we're. It's it's a conversation having because of this administration, and it could backfire. It, it could on on even the Democrats and progressives, but maybe it is the risk that should that should be taken. Mm-hmm. Such as you know when the people like when getting rid of the rid of the filibuster, well that could hurt you, yeah, but it might be for the benefit of just the long run. So it's. It's a strategy that maybe the Democratic Party should consider, especially since we don't even know what their real strategy is because they don't seem to be on the same page. And then you have Chuck Schumer just saying whatever he wants all the time. Yeah. Um, It's really a mess. Like, I'm not saying, like, either party is perfect because, I mean, the Democrats have a huge tent. Yeah, they they have... The the Democratic Party seems to have have issues with... With themselves on the same page. page. Yeah. Same page and knowing what's the, what's the right way to move forward, but um, but yeah, it's something I, that um, they should definitely um, challenge the Republican Party and um, the Republican Party needs to really um, really needs to focus on not focus on you know not pleasing the party, like focusing on what you know patriotism and American values are if they understand what that means if there's some. dignity left in it yet because that's really the problem at this point um that we are starting to realize really is that our government system is really set up in a way where they want to please their own party like they don't really care about what the people or society needs um yep i mean it's something that they gotta fix they gotta fix (laughs) as i say what are you gonna do about it except vote I mean, that's really what comes down to. And speaking of voting, um, it's like a thing that like um, it, the Supreme Court needs to be restructured, too, because the fact that they're appointed by the president was supposedly sure. We vote, we vote, quote unquote, for the president, quote unquote. I say, quote unquote, because, we you know, um, fraud and stuff like that. But we're not going to get into that. But my point is, um, I feel that um, like the House and Congress and everyone, even the Senate, just in, uh, Congress in general, needs to really um, challenge that if we want democracy to live another day, really challenge to have 
the American people decide who they want as the Supreme Court justice. Because, I mean, they're the, their um, establishment, their ruling is what really determines how we um, run our society and our government system. They, they take cases that are unconstitutional law on what the Constitution is. And we are continuing to follow the Constitution. And so their um, cases really impact how we um, interact in our da- and, like, how our, our daily lives are impacted, you know, on, like, a whole national level. Because when they decide something, it's something on a whole national level. It's not just by state by state, you know. It's something that is mandated for the whole nation as a whole. So, like, I hope that maybe um, Democrats are, well, this, of course, they're going to try to um, push this forward. But, like, democracy needs to be, brief, like, reformed in a way that we decide what we want as our leaders. So that's a thing. That's a thought. I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there because I think, like, we should have a say more on what our Supreme Court justice should be, who they should I mean- be. I mean that's fair. That's understandable, especially since, I mean they're they're deciding on which le- legislation is constitutional or not for the American people. Supposedly, we get to, American we get to, people. That, that's what we serve. Don't we don't we get to vote for judges in like our like local? Yes, we do on a local level. But as we but we as a local level we do because we have our district um, ADAs, attorney, attorney generals. Um, we do have our. our within states, Supreme Court justices as well, because we have um, state courts, district courts, but as well that we take so much in voting. We, As an American society, we vote on everything, supposedly, right? Um, given that, I don't think it would be a, like a, if we want to establish democracy and say we're a, democ- a um, democracy nation, we should also have a say in our Supreme Court too, because we elected, basically everyone in Congress is elected by the American people. So why can't we elect a Supreme Court justice? And yeah, that would be like a fair thing, in my opinion. Although, I mean, there is jurisdictions between the Supreme Court. However, um, be, that, the, be... have them be, sorry, sorry. yeah, have them being appointed by the president, even though they're going to be like, but the president, you know, is is voted by democracy. I'm like, not really. It's not voted by democracy. We have the electoral college, but I don't know. That's 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 a wild thought, right? <laughs> I'm like, we have the electoral college. So is that really democracy, friends? Is that really democracy? But um, it's just really a thought to me because I mean, we're we're we vote we say vote vote on everything. So like, why can't we just do that? Wouldn't that be interesting seeing seeing some judges going up for Supreme Court and seeing them debate each other? That actually be really cool. That'd be interesting. I mean that that you're gonna have to do research. I mean, what would they debate about? What would like what? Because you, you can see like senators and Congress and members of Congress and they have to debate for their seat, and you can understand why. Mm-hmm. And even for the presidential debates, you can understand why. But how would a a, judi- a judicial debate look like? They just bring out briefs and stuff. They bring out the law books, the law. <laughs> would, it, would it would it look more like a court? Actually, probably more look like a court because I mean most of them have GDs, so like JDs. I mean GDs, JDs. Um, so they're probably gonna be like a court case. That's so that would be interesting. Like so, so argue like this bill is a, this like 
to both nominees, like, this bill is up in the Senate, and if it gets to you, please explain your arguments for for what you think about it. Like that, like that would be the the most like technical like debate probably mm-hmm. between justices or potential justices. That'd be interesting. No, yeah, and like I think like the voting would probably be more of a rank system, so we could have equal um, distribution towards the liberals and the conservatives judges. So like it'd be interesting. I don't know. That's a random thought. Watch someone steal my idea. (laughs) Or just watch the potential judicial debates and they might be the most technical. Who knows? They might also be like the least entertaining. Yeah. Because they're going to be sticking to the facts and trying to sound clear, concise. And it's like, oh, it's not not as entertaining as I would hope it to be. No, it's going to be very intellectual, assuming that, you know, they're, like I said, Uh, they're they're lawyers for the most part. Exactly. How how could you throw shade while still... Being intellectual. Yeah, like, like that would be interesting. Who knows? That'd be educational. (laughs) They'd probably throw shade at each other's law schools. Probably. They'd be like, I went to Harvard. I'm like you. You see, see, like, as my my professor explained at Harvard Law School, you know where the best ones are. And, well, when the rejects go to Yale Law. (laughs) Literally challenging (laughs) Ivy to, like, regular state. Be like, you know, I went to, you know, an Ivy League, not, like, a public state law school. (laughs) That'd be a lot of shade, but... Yeah, that the, and these are these are thoughts. These are thoughts. Yeah, these are thoughts. They're just going to throw out there. Okay. All right. So moving on. <laughs> that, that's, yes, that's that's happened for the most part of, since last week. Literally since you know, last Friday. This is this is what's been going on even on weekends. So the, the parent, So you know, just let you know the government the government works when they want to. Yeah, when it's convenient. Like you know, some some members of the government go on vacation. For some reason, like for so long, and but uh, but in certain times, they 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 don't work nine to five. They work nine to eleven. Yeah. P.M. A.M. No, yeah, but I do want to mention that um, Trump is going to give the authority tomorrow. Actually, I think that's what I've heard from the news that he's going to be um, nominating his Supreme Court justice person. <laughs> I say enthusiastically because I mean, um, so far, like what I heard from the news, her name is. Barba Lagoa, yeah, Barba, yeah, Barbara. She's Cuban, right? She is Cuban. Um, she she's Cuban from she's a Cuban American, speaks fluent Spanish. Um, she, however, she is a conservative Catholic, and um, she's from Florida. So, um, as we can see, um, mostly Florida is a Republican state. So, um, Trump's initiative of maybe I think that there was another person too, but I don't remember her name. However, he... And they, they, and they believe in voter suppression, just saying. Yes. And so he's leaning towards nominating her. His strategic plan is to um, elect her because she's supposedly, like, represents the Latino community, supposedly. I say it supposedly because, you know, she doesn't believe in really, um, you know, what's best for the Latino community in a positive way. <laughs> I'm throwing shade out there because that's what it is. Um, however, she does. She's a huge appeal because, giving her conservative Catholicism, you know, we know as, as we know as a as ashamed as I am as a Catholic. I'm, okay, this this idea that like oh like this person seems like a great fit. I do not want to hear this idea anymore of like oh this person's also Catholic, so that's a plus. No, yeah. As, Did, is, wasn't Brett, isn't Brett Kavanaugh a, technically a, a, a good Christian? Mm-hmm. And yet we had this whole hearing of if he committed sexual assault or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a Catholic, so like I don't want to. I don't want to hear this plus like this like oh like 
like oh like this person oh this person this has a christian oh this person's a catholic so that's a plus like that, that doesn't automatically make you a honestly plus. like the republican party using that strategic plan to say oh this person's a decent person the decent because of their religious views as like catholicism christian christian um etc um like it's really dehumanizing because they're devaluing what actually religion is like we have religion and government separate supposedly separation of church and state that's the reason why we have that but um, right so i like i like it's like yeah it doesn't really matter what what religious views this person has if this person is so-called a decent person because yeah like if it's a decent person that that should go across many religions and because they teach a lot a lot of you know community and helping others and empathy yes, love and kindness respect dignity respecting that's what a lot of religious views have for their they're basically their foundation so i mean just because they're catholic yes i get it like a lot most of the country is christian and probably a huge chunk of it is catholic so but if you're not doing these if you're not exercising the catholic teachings I don't care if you, you call yourself a Catholic because if you're not acting like a Catholic. Which supposedly is not then, to discriminate and judge and. Yeah. yeah. And, so on. you know, the, the First Amendment did have the freedom of religion. So I don't really see why you keep, you know, wanting to like having to have to. With that. But you still have to mention that always the Christian perspective. Like, man, you know, it's okay, okay, just alienate the other people who. Identifies different religions. Okay. No, yeah, and um, given that she shouldn't do that, but yeah, considering that she's a conservative Catholic, she has spoken out toward um, against LGBTQ community, which is ironic to me because, like, you know, considering that she's a Catholic, although conservative, they say, um, as Catholicism, it's like it's just it's. I'm, we'll talk about this eventually on the show. We we'll talk about Catholicism, but like it's it's really it's really a shame. Yeah, a- it's really a shameful for me because as a Catholic uh, myself, which is I consider myself, if we're gonna say conservative, we're gonna divide this. I'm more of a progressive Catholic, meaning that I respect the values that really Catholicism is rooted from, like compassionate, compassion, empathy, respect, dignity of the human person, so on and so forth. Like you mentioned. Um, have like I like it's it's really conflicting because I'm just like I my religion is different like um, my religion does not influence my um, political stuff because if we're going to establish on policy on political and policy my views my progressive views do not align to what Catholicism is it just doesn't and that's why we have church and state and so um and to me like um I, what I found interesting was actually Pope Francis recently challenging that to the Catholic Church, saying that, I quote, if, if he said this to parents of children who are, who are in the LGBTQ community, that God loves them the way they are, that he still loves like, them for who they is, are. Is, isn't it a very popular saying and you know, very Catholic, you know, God, all of us are made in the image of God? So, like, literally the fact that Pope Francis said that to to parents and families saying, like, God loves your children for who they are, for who they want to be. And to me, that was very, like, um, like great on part of Pope Francis because he is challenging, really, what the status quo of the Catholicism is. He's like, 
if we're gonna like in a way he's kind of just like you guys are literally destroying what Catholicism is written from we're, we're not and it's and it's to me it was very ironic because he comes from literally he's he comes from the archdiocese in Rome like he is the Vatican and the Vatican is like conservative as much as you can as much as if you want conservative Catholicism it's the Vatican you know and the fact that he came out and said that to me was like in a way it was kind of like revolutionary in a small way because he's challenging like he's just saying like I just don't I find this ridiculous that we continue that as a Catholic church, his voice, we continue to oppress the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus community, you know, and it's ridiculous because we're supposed to be loving, compassionate towards every person we encounter because that's what the following of teach- Jesus taught us, right? So to me, that was really ironic. And so like the Republican Party, like, you know, having um, Trump trying to point this woman to Supreme Court and she's a conservative Catholic and it's like the Pope said not for you to hate these people so like what you know yes so and you know the, the Pope and in the most simple terms the Pope is basically the the spokesman God. for the Bible God. God yeah he's he's the closest he's the closest we're gonna get to the voice of God you know like to yeah and, and like I've always admired Pope Francis because he's always challenged that has always challenged the Catholic Church in a way even though he's He's had, like, I think as he's slowly um, progressed during this time of being a pope, he's kind of understood, like, I can't be having these views anymore. Like, I serve the people. I he's, He understands that I'm literally the next person that speaks to God, and God wouldn't want me to be having this, you know? So, to me, it was really, like, um, iconic in a way for him to say that. Yep, so that's... That's pretty much it. When that's pretty much the the message about when people try to say, "Oh, this person's good. This person's a Catholic." If they're good, yeah. I don't want to hear. Like, okay, like that that doesn't automatically make you good if you do if you're not doing Catholic te- if if you're not living by Catholic teachings and you or not for just very nitpicking very little Catholic teachings, but then also taking them out of context of what Catholic teachings are, you know. So if you're not acting like a Catholic, you know, basically in the way. Jesus would act, mm-hmm. and you, if you're more if, if discriminating against certain groups, even though Jesus accepted everyone, no matter what, as long as they were willing to be saved by God, he didn't. Jesus was loving to everyone. Well, actually, he was loving to everyone in general. Yeah. So, but if you're not, oh, that's then you're going up against the. The original the teaching. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm, yeah. But yeah. So, like, yeah, don't like. Oh, she's good because she's Catholic. No, don't, don't tell me that, please, Mm-mm. please. Yeah. So. Because, she's like her track record is like not what God would want. God, God, God doesn't approve hate. According, according, according. We, we hear that every, every Sunday. Every Sunday we hear priests always have to tell us about God. You know, always give us give us homilies, the, yeah. the gospel, then the sermon, and the homilies, and like about not no hate, love, respect, under, empathy, understand one understand Listen. one another. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, ah, yeah. that's it's, always that's it's always gaps, but that's for another day. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have an episode. Yeah, like that's 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 for way another talk about. <laughs> if, you, if if we ever want to make an episode about Catholicism, that's ooh, that's gonna yeah. be it. We'll talk. probably do that. Let's that's- let's look. 
Yeah, but that, that, that's the that's the point. Moral of the story: just because just because you call yourself Catholic, um, that doesn't automatically make you a great exactly. person. Exactly. So, yeah. Like live by, if you're gonna be Catholic, you gotta live by Catholic. So yeah, that's what we. That's my opinion on the the Republicans trying to make Painter to be a saint for us to be a Supreme Court nominee. Yeah. Not- but moving on <laughs> yeah moving on to this week because it, it was we finally got an update on something that we wanted to know about but even though we knew we knew from the start it was going to be bad news it's, it's still you, you just you had to hear it to believe it so the officers that murdered Brianna Taylor. They will not be facing any charges on murder or manslaughter. One of them has is has charges against him. Not for murder. Not for manslaughter. I don't I, for, I forget what the official term was, but basically he's getting arrested and being put on trial. He will be put on trial for property damage. Because he fired bullets, yeah, house. and they went through, the, and they went through the wall, and it hit the neighbor's property. Missed, thankfully, more people don't get killed. But the bullets that hit Brianna Taylor which were six, like over six bullets, six times she was shot, which is probably more than more than one. one, more than zero. That's more than zero. It was more than zero. So anyone who Killed Brianna Taylor. They don't have to worry about those they charges. Walk off. Mm-hmm. And so, really, I was it a misdemeanor? I think so. And so, yeah, we officially learned that Brianna Taylor's family—they're not—they're not, they're not going to see justice. Whatever that's supposed to mean at this point—that they're not. The whole fight that we've had, that the real, that people have had for Breonna Taylor, whether it be in the U.S. or even across the world, it it did something, but in reality, it did it, did it did really nothing. It did nothing for her. No. It did nothing for her or Brianna Taylor's family. It just did. Yes. It just brought awareness. It brought awareness that, oh no, the bullets went somewhere else. Whatever. It was really a slap to the face, slap to the just two people. <laughs> um, when I found out about it, um, I was angry. I was frustrated, but at the same time, was not gen- generally surprised of the results given that our criminal justice system is broken. It's a system that is really not at all going to be reformed. (laughs) Realistically, if we want to approach it, it mostly needs to be um, abolished in a way, like for it to be really reformed. Um, I was reading like a lot of tweets about like um, the congressional representatives who are really speaking out towards... um, police brutality and um, in general and like Ayanna Presley, um, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, 
um, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman. Yes, Rashida Tlaib. Um, Congresswoman um, Alexander Ocasio Cortez. Um, Elon Omar. Yeah, Elon, Congresswoman Omar. Um, and really, like some senators. Yeah, some senators. Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, like reading like their words of um, like you know anger, um, as well as their um, words of really encouragement to continue on fighting because they understood too that the results were not going to be at all just, um, and it's something that we all hold we all held hope for it for justice to be somewhat, um, you know, done. And my heart really ached for Breonna Taylor's family and friends and for the Black community in general, too, because they continue to experience that trauma, the injustice, every single day. And Breonna Taylor is one of many that we don't know about who are experiencing this. Her, she was used really as, in social media, she, she got a social media awareness, but also, like, in a way it was hurtful because she was used for, like, as a hashtag, like, for many people, used to, you know, like, I don't know if you saw this, like, tweet going around how she was used for everything and didn't get any justice, as, justice at all. Um, yeah, it was a lot of energy spent. Yeah. And, and we got literally, like, a punch it, to the face. <laughs> and really, it tried so, people, people tried so hard and accomplished very, 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 very little. However, yeah. And, However, yeah. But I'll just say, okay, yeah, so, so this is what I was thinking about. Like, man, like, so we, there have been high profile cases of police brutality against black men, black women. And for one reason or another, they, you know, they, they always, like, their past has to come up or because the way they look has to come up. Like, we, like which is why, like, oh, we have to be skeptical. This would be perfect. You know, this is an innocent angel victim. Like, so pretty much that man, like, like we'll, we'll always have like for for whatever reason, uh, like a person's past has to always be judged. Like, mm, can we justify why this person isn't alive today? I don't know. This person had weed on them. This person, you know, was arrested for your DUI fifteen years ago. Oh, this this person had a fake twenty dollar bill. So I don't know. What was was. What about Breonna Taylor? Was she, was she supposed to be was she supposed to be a nun? For pe- for for her to get like some, for her, like for the police to face some kind of accountability towards her, and, towards their actions. And it really goes back to how police unions work too, because police unions are a thing, and the reason, really, really, the reason why police force get no accountability for what their actions that they do. Oh, not true, because every once in a while. They'll get fired. Yeah, like firing does something, right? <laughs> like, they get fired for assault or murder. Every now and, and then. It, it just really comes back to, like, really understanding that they need to be defunded. Like, like, like it's, it's so tiring to really hear people say, like, no, defunding doesn't solve anything. Well, we have so much funding with them, and they don't, all they do is kill people. That's like when people like a lot of people argue and say, "Oh, that won't solve anything." It's not trying. That you're not trying. Legit, it's like because 
They're like, don't touch our money. Well, you're not your your money's used. First off, your money used for killing people, innocent people that have literally been traumatized. And second, the like taking your money away is to really because you don't need it. You're not even using it. You're using it for BS things. They're using it to like enhance basically a lot of. Um, You're not serving our people. A lot of gear. A, a lot of gear. A lot of gear. Really. And, or like some commissions, you know, they'll raise their pay. And then like, like it just, like it, like the reason we say defund the police is because we're not saying, like, I think that the thing is like, realistically in society, realistically, we're not going to be, we're not going to, in a picture perfect world, we don't really want cops in a way. We In a way, we don't really want cops like as, um, we want community organized, you know, community protection because we have over policing, et cetera, et cetera. But in a real world, we're not going to have, um, you know, like in a real world, we're not, and we're not going to, the police force is going to exist. That's what I meant to say. A police force is going to exist because that's, that's, you know, a thing that's going to happen. However, defunding literally means taking the money that you guys, you guys have a huge budget that are not even, you guys are not even using. You guys are using it so you can go on vacations, like the captain or whatever. I don't know the exact terms, whatever. Captain, whatever. The people in high office, right? You know. You, they're using that money so they can go on paid vacations for their families, have a huge retirement plan, you know, live life. We literally want to take that money from you because you guys are not even using it for anything. Because you literally have no sense of morality, no sense of human decency. So what makes you think that like, you can have that money? You're not even trying to reestablish what your law enforcement is. So we want to take that money and use it for education that continues to lack, health care that continues to lack, et cetera, et cetera. So like the fact that people are still challenging this idea and still scared, like, oh, don't take my money. Don't take the police money away. Well, they're literally killing people. They're not serving people at all, at all. They're not. It's literally distributing the funding that they receive so they can be actually there can be more there there be less crime because crime is rooted because of poverty, of lack of education. That's what really crime is. Whether you want to deny it or not, it's because of that. White neighborhoods, I'm quoting AOC right now, white neighborhoods are considered quote unquote safe because people in white neighborhoods, white uh, wealthy affluent neighborhoods have access to quality education, have access to healthcare, have access to affordable housing. That's why there's no that's why there's no crime. It's not because they have a lot of security police enforcement out there. No. It's because they have the resources. So crime won't happen. So police force out there get we want to take your money away. Because you guys are not doing anything to supposedly serve our community, serve our states. And for people to remember, like, they get lots of money from the state, and, and even. But, but, what, but for for those for that for them to get increased money, that means that for also some reason that also has to mean other departments, state departments have to get less money 
So whatever, whatever you call, whatever people call the cops for, whether when it's not about crime, mm-hmm. the police—that's the police's job, technically. There's there's a lot of things the police do that should not be their jobs, and you know, people don't realize that you know we have we have other social services social that workers. that is their we job. We have people specifically trained to deal with the situation. Because yeah, there are a lot of situations that the police have to deal with that should not be their job, but then they have to deal with it because. We rely on them a lot. That's where their mo- the money's going to instead of the other services that the state also has. And they keep getting less money. So when you say, oh, what, like, we need to improve this. Well, we could. If we give money. Yeah, but then they keep losing money. And you keep giving th- these people money. But how come they, why did they get the other group's money? You keep saying you want to improve that. But you actually don't do it. Literally, like the fact that they're ha- yeah. the cops are given like basically everything to deal with, like that's not at all. And also, like I just want to throw this out there: recruitment of police officers. Many are former military, former Marines, former et cetera, et cetera. What are they trained to do when they're in the military? What are they trained to do? It, I, you're right about that, but I also think that there's a lot of. Police training is very no, short. No, that's what I'm saying. Like recruitment and also like establishing yeah. a curriculum where like they actually help um, people that you know understand morality and understand you know like I'm not trying to throw like shade towards the military, Marines, and everything else, but I'm saying like realistically, yeah. like the recruitment that they recruit police officers, they're they're facing trauma still. They're still like not getting resources yeah. to really, you know. Um, help. That that's 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 actually a good point that I didn't think about. But also, I want to say that because one YouTuber that I really like that I've mentioned before to you, um, Cody Johnson. Some more news, you guys. Should check out this video because, which because even um, John Oliver's talked about it, and other other former um, police officers have talked about it. That a lot of cops training, whether it be by the police department or even just seminars held mm-hmm. by police officers outside of cop, like official cop mm-hmm. training. The training is not, is based when they say protect and yeah, to protect and serve, but it's for themselves first. They see their, like a lot of, a lot of cops get training about basically being warriors rather than being protectors of a community. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of disparities within it, and I could go on and on. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. But now, now that we know that Brianna Taylor is not going to get anything, and and okay, so yesterday also, also since you know a lot of people were talking about how heartbroken they are, how scared they are because that couldn't just be anybody. Now, there was also like a few bad takes I saw that talking about her boyfriend at the time, Kenneth Walker, and that's like. As sad as it is, you know, like oh, he, well, he, I don't, I forgot who it was it. I saw someone try to like, not not justify it, but like kind of like I'm just trying to explain like why he, he got arrested. And like because he fought, he shot the police. And like, I was like, I want, I don't, I don't, I felt like bringing up that this bad take because they, they didn't identify themselves as police. Yeah, there, there, there's multiple witnesses saying they would not they did not identify as police 
But somehow they but somewhere they found one witness to say that oh they identified themselves as police. I don't know how Kenneth Walker were here, they identify themselves as police as they barge in with their guns first. And Kentucky's, you know, he has he had a permit to carry to have a gun. I I don't more than likely I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky is a stand your ground state. I think it I, I don't really know. I haven't read about Kentucky. I, I don't know that either. I wouldn't know that either, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a standard ground state because you know people who did not people who did not identify themselves barge into your house and you have the right to carry a gun. So I wouldn't be that's I honestly good would be self defense, especially when you don't know who's coming into your house in the middle of the night looking for a different suspects for a different suspect who didn't identify themselves killed someone else arrest him. And they wanted him to make a statement about her being involved in the shooting or some sort. Basically lie. Want him to lie to make sure that they didn't look bad. And then we find out that the suspect was in custody. The suspect they were looking for was in custody already. Before they even went to their house. And all that information didn't get him anything. Didn't get Breonna Taylor anything. Yeah, it just overall like. And now, is... and now we're gonna. There's gonna be. There's gonna be a lot of protests regarding that, and as there should. And it also made me think, I wonder what's going to happen here in L.A. for uh, Andres Guardado. The 18-year-old was killed by the, by the cop. And uh, when we found out that he was trying to join a gang of Nazis. So, yeah. And... Justice is supposed to be... Like, like, when we, like we said earlier, well, like, like justices are, are like Supreme Court... Like judges are supposed to be neutral, you know, but we know which, which, what kind of beliefs they have, which they they'll make decisions on that, and also um, like they should be neutral, and uh, justice should be for all. That's why we said should be. That's why we supposedly pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> and um, you. Does Brianna Taylor's life did, did, did Brianna Taylor's life matter? Then, if you say yes, and you're cons- for conservatives who say all lives matter, did hers? <laughs> Catholic standpoint. Did this, re- <laughs> did this result? Did this result say that her life mattered? You know how like then if if it doesn't if if since this decision says that it doesn't. Don't say all lies, man. Literally, and since we're, since we're since, because um, it'd be interesting to hear, like especially conservative Catholics who are pro-life. It's like if you're pro-life and so-called, you believe that all lives matter. Why aren't you advocating towards people who get exactly. killed for no reason? It's like pro-life shouldn't just mean if you, if you don't want to see abortions be legal, that and when you call yourself pro-life, pro-life should not just mean. You don't believe in abortions. Pro-life should mean life. That's why it says pro-life. Yeah. What does that mean? 
Yeah, it's not. Pro, it's not. It's not pro birth. The life. Like it's it's that you're for you're for people living, and then that should mean if you're not gonna advocate for other people who get killed unjustly or people's health and lives on the line in in inhumane ways. Uh, don't call yourself pro-life. Just basically, just call yourself pro-birth. Ignorant, pro-ignorant. <laughs> yeah, like so, you you better make you better make pro-life a broad definition. Or and if you're conservative and don't believe you know you think Black Lives Matter is not a good statement and you, it should be revised to All Lives Matter. You better you better be out in the streets protesting for Breonna Taylor's life too. Mm-hmm. Because if or you better be just trying to get some kind of justice for people who get killed unjustly because if you're not, all lies don't matter to you. Okay. It's just a sham for you. And on that note, I think I'm going to stop the rants for you know, the, of you know being upset about Breonna Taylor not being able to get justice for basically at this point her name so it's still latinx heritage month yes moving on to um so i guess like to end the note the show on a more positive note we still have three more people we want to talk yeah, do about you want to go first for this you're talking. <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll go first um oh i go. just need to like <laughs> end, wait a minute yeah, yeah. So I noticed last week I didn't, I didn't mention any women. Oh yeah, you did not. I and just written, I just noticed that. And but I, it's okay. And I, 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 it made me feel a little bad. So I wanna, I wanna. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like, I like you trying to bring up this quote unquote toxic masculinity for. I mean, we are important talking, Latinx we are figures. Latin, Latinx Heritage oh. Month, and that's a that's a thing that women, Latina women, have been advocating <laughs> for. So we're talking about Hispanic heritage. So we're. You're calling out this toxic masculinity for me machismo. making you Latino. Latino. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, you're so not, you're not. <laughs> I want to start. I want to start off with, uh, you know, as as uh, as Queen Latifah let's say, ladies first. So the first person I want to bring up is Dolores Huerta. So a lot of people in the Latinx community know who Cesar Chavez was. Machismo. He's the, he's the face. <laughs> He was the face. He was the face of really like that. Um, of like farm workers to get you like farm workers to be unionized. He's like for the for in the Latinx community. But she Dolores Huerta, she fought alongside with Cesar Chavez with you know for the National Farm Workers Association. And she had been fighting for farm workers before Cesar Chavez oh. became well known and you know a lot after yeah machismo you know, she was you know <laughs> <laughs> and she also she also wanted him to be like yeah, this whole like, you know, person because got in the way that's why no one acknowledged her presence <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> continue so Dolores Huerta you know was a leader of the community service organization she founded the agricultural workers association snap snap sorry uh, she <laughs> <laughs> she played a huge part for in the aid for dependent families and disabilities insurance 
for California farm workers in the 60s. Mm. She also played a role in the Agricultural Labor Relations Act of 1975 in California. Uh, she led a national boycott of California grapes because, you know, for justice for the farm workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a women's rights mm-hmm. advocate and <laughs> voice for Latinas, <laughs> Latinas for office. She won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in, in 2012. Yeah. So she, she has a resume. She has a resume. And that's about machismo. She has, <laughs> <laughs> she has a resume that for sure would have gotten her an office somewhere. A fan of her, as you can tell. Dolores <laughs> Huerta, she... What a, what a fantastic woman she is what a fantastic role model she was and it still is for ever the latinx community it is so if people so people want to like see keep when we say keep that same energy for just to fight for just man the lotus huerta's energy man fantastic fantastic mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Okay, Jackie, do you wanna do you wanna go yes, next? Yes, I do. And I'm like, you know, I, you know, my my three people have always been women. <laughs> I don't have machismo vibes over here. <laughs> Not my turn. Okay, go, 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 because I don't want I don't want my laughing. Yes, taking over exactly. the episode. We don't need machismo here. Fair enough. Okay. I like it. So, um, I want to talk about Sister Norma Pimentel. Um, she's actually named um, as one of the most influential, uh, she's in the top 100 influential people that Time Magazine actually released recently. So, for those of you that probably heard about it, um, the, 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 set, the list is out. So, you can take a look at it. But I want, definitely want to highlight Sister Norma, um, who was actually... Um, recognized by Julian Castro. Um, and she is a sister who works for the, um, who is actually the executive director of Catholic Charities in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. She's a, I want to highlight her because she has done a lot of advocacy for the past three decades towards supporting migrants in, who are trying to seek refuge in the United States along the Texas border, and border of Texas and Mexico. She has directed her efforts with Catholic charities, um, as we can using Catholic for the good religion. Actually, <laughs> so I want to bring that up. Um, she's done a lot of work to helping los inmigrantes in the border through providing shelter, food, um, helping families with trying to have them um, a place of sanctuary. So she's been. Um, being a director of trying to help um, immigrants with housing, um, finding sanctuary in churches around um, the Texas border, and has um, really used her um, Catholic platform in a good way. And she's taken on, um, she's been criticized, she's hugely been criticizing Trump towards the um, the Trump administration general towards the inhumane immigration policies and she's been hopeful to immigration reform and I want to just highlight her importance there. So yeah. So thank you, sis- Sister Norma. <laughs> mm. 
All right, that's that's a great. You know, women. That's a great. That's a great. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, now you're gonna make me feel bad. Continue. <laughs> Are you gonna make me feel bad for my next person? Go ahead. Go ahead. I I, I will I'll be quiet. Next person to honor and Latinx Heritage Month. You know, a a man. <laughs> I'm not gonna feel actually. No, I'm not gonna feel bad because this, he was an amazing man. Okay. Um. So and also since you know this all also can tie into my sport management degree. Okay. And I wish Another this man was talked about more. Doesn't his... have women because you know they support men more. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just resting, just resting me right now. Okay. Um, Keep going. Sorry. So in U.S. history, of course, like for a for a page, probably a paragraph, you know, for like when it comes to like you know civil rights movement, they talk about um, Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. But I feel like being, of course, of course, Jackie Robinson deserves the praise and the attention that he gets. But hopefully, more in in classrooms. Because he was much more than just the first baseball player to break the color barrier in the 20th century. But I think this former baseball player absolutely deserves to be talked about too in history, history courses because he was such more than just a baseball player. And who was that? Roberto Clemente. The, not just a Latino, but an Afro-Latino. Mm-hmm. So Roberto Clemente, hands down, one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. Like one of the greatest, he had one of the greatest arms in the history of like right fielders and right fielders. You, baseball fans, you know they, you if you're gonna be a great right fielder, you better have a cannon. He had a cannon. Great hitter, great leader for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Won a World Series with them. Um, two World Series actually. The first uh, Latinx baseball player, Latino, to hit for. Him. 3,000 hits. Um, so he, got, he hands down has an amazing legacy in baseball. But what made him even more special was the activist he was mm-hmm. outside of baseball during his career and after mm-hmm. his career. So always, always raising money for charity, always using his money even to provide for people in need and his unfortunate and tragic death actually came because of his activism. Because before he died, one of the many things he liked to do was provide, you know, food for the home for the hungry, aided the wanted to help the homeless in other countries. So before he died, there was a huge um, earthquake in Nicaragua. And so he raised he raised lots of money to get get them food, supplies, whatever they were gonna need to to help at the moment. Got to use his own money. Got a plane to ship all these supplies. He was going to go with with them to help to help, and uh, he passed. Passed away. He passed away basically. He passed away basically uh, 
doing what he what he always does. He what he always did, helping out. And now, base for charitable acts, the baseball has the Roberto Clemente Award. So Roberto Clemente is a very significant figure. So yeah, that's my second person. Oh yeah, that's. I'll give you some, you know, not I won't roast you because you mentioned an Afro Latino, so won't roast you that much. But you did mention a man, you know. <laughs> All right, so now to your second. My person. second person, a woman, a Latina, as you know, because I don't believe in machismo. <laughs> I mean, I, anyways, moving on. Um, so my second person is Berta Carrasco. Caceres, sorry, I almost butchered her name. Um, she is an indigenous environmental activist from Honduras. So a little bit about her oh. is that she's done a lot of um, environmental activism. Um, she is the co-founder of the Council of, uh, of Popular and Indigenous Organization of Honduras. So she basically co-founded an organization that in, um, empowers and talks about um, issues that indigenous communities are facing in Honduras. Um, she, her project that she did that was significantly, um, important was that she fought towards protecting, um, the Gualcarque River in Honduras, and they were trying to, the government was trying to build a dam in the river, but, um, she fought against it because she, that river is sacred to the indigenous community and they were trying to build stuff in the indigenous community. So she fought towards that. And actually she had a similar um, tragic death where she was killed because of her activism in 2016. Um, but yeah, she's been a huge voice for the indigenous community and her legacies lived on. Yeah, that's a, that, is, that is another amazing person. Yes, thank you. Um, you're a third person. All right, my third person. Ah, it makes you. It's gonna. It's gonna. gonna actually make you a little happier. <laughs> it's another. It's another Yay! woman. So my third person is Rigoberta Menchutung. Who is she? She. She is an activist for the indigenous community. Oh, indigenous. Because she is. She. She is an indigenous woman as well. She actually won the Nobel. The Nobel Prize. Um, so, okay, let me, a little bit about her, about her activism. So she is an activist for the Mayan community, hey. especially during, especially during the civil war in Guatemala. Like, Sorry, I just have so, Mayan roots. So. She, so, 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 so when she was very young, she joined the uh, group committee of the peasant union. So when her, after her father was uh, released out of prison and subjected to torture, but as her, she got bigger and more notable with her activism, her family was killed, so she had to escape uh, Guatemala, and she had to um, she had to go to Mexico to be safe. Uh, and while she was in Mexico, she founded the United Representation of the Guatemalan Opposition to like, to go against the, the the dictatorship that was going on in Guatemala at the time, and pretty so. Her whole life, she was advocating for the Mayans in Guatemala because they were being killed by the dictatorship in, in, in her home country. And she even wrote an auto, and she even wrote, you know, with the help of a translator, she wrote a book 
about her life and and what was going on in her in her days in Guatemala and all the activism that she's done. And even though they, the government tried to scare her by killing her family, that didn't stop her. She, of course, she fled for her safety, but that didn't stop her one minute to keep fighting for her home country and especially for her indigenous people. All right. So, yes. Uh, Rigoberta Menchutum, a hero. Um, from that point, I want to I wanna highlight my last person, who's actually a young activist, a young girl named Sophie Cruz. For those of you who don't know, she made headlines in 2015 when she went across the barricades when Pope Francis came, and she gave her the letters that she want about um, a letter to Pope Francis. Um, and Pope Francis received the letters, interacted with her, and her letter was towards ICE deporting her her parents. So she, from that moment on, she made headlines of how she wanted to really tell her story, advocate for immigrants. As a young girl at the age of five during that time, and she's older now, obviously, as the years went by, she really sparked a movement for young Latina girls who are facing this in justice in the immigration system to have a voice and Pope Francis took that and really wanted to advocate that as when he was invited to the White House and told about the young about Sophie's story so I really want to highlight her as um as my last person because this is the generation that will change how we perceive this society and how we can change the world so I just want to highlight her yeah three great people and you know women (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't fight on me on that <laughs> I gave you credit for that I gave you credit for that huge credit uh, but I had to roast you <laughs> that's, that's Puerto Rico's favorite athlete I know, ever but I had to roast you just had to I you gave me the platform nice. you were just like as a sports management major and I'm just like sports management is a predominantly male um, career you know I had I had, I had to. Uh, I started with Ruth Bader Ginsburg okay yeah, I you're really not, started with you're, her you're not, so. you're not gonna leave this down for a while no. that's for sure I started with Ruth Bader Ginsburg oh. come on icon for, for a woman and then I literally went on so <laughs> alright yeah alright okay I'm not gonna argue that. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So, I, I think we reached the end of the episode. Yes, I we have. I don't want to get roasted anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done roasting for the day. For the for the moment. For the moment. <laughs> All right. So that's a that was a good episode. I mean, good in the sense that we got to got to discuss a lot yeah, of topics. Yeah, especially. Um, Oh. Woman equality within the within the main topics. Yeah, <laughs> we got to discuss a lot of topics within the main yeah. topics. So that's that's always that's always yes. good. Yes, and we thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for coming back to listen to us, and we'll be back next week. You know, back next week. This is what this is what we're here for. Is we're here to we're here to talk to you. Exactly. The listeners. Exactly. So. Jackie, we'll be back, we'll be next, back week, right? next week with more highlights of um, our Latino leaders and advocates and scholars and more about the news, even though it's frustrating, but we have to report it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but like a big emphasis on on the on the three Latinx yeah. figures that we're gonna talk about because we we need some positivity yeah, we, we need some, right we now. We need something yeah. to hold on to. And and we hope, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, these feel a little uplifted by by hearing people's and stories. And it gives you some hope that we have to continue to fight because yes. they the legacies so, that they've left and um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, along with many iconic um, people of color advocates. Their legacy and their stab- continue to establish legacies. We got to live on. Yeah, so Jackie, thank, thank you again you. For, for making another yeah, episode. Gracias, mi gente, for listening again. Muchas gracias a todos y, y los vemos la siguiente semana. Bye.